0: It's been a long year, but hopefully You Are Not A Frog has been a bit of light relief for you and given you some helpful hints and tips to make life at work that little bit better. We've loved every single one of our guests this year, and judging by the volume of wonderful emails we've received and the conversations I've had with people at talks and workshops, so have you. So I thought I'd put together the best bits from some of my favourite conversations this year and some of the most listened to episodes And we'll be back in the new year with more interviews, hints, tips and life hacks to help you beat burnout and work happier. This one's about stress and worry. Now there is some swearing in the last section. You have been warned. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals in high stress, high stakes jobs. I'm Dr Rachel Morris, a former GP, now working as a coach, trainer and speaker. Like frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, many of us don't notice how bad the stress and exhaustion have become until it's too late. But you are not a frog. Burning out or getting out are not your only options. In this podcast, I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts and inviting you to make a deliberate choice about how you will live and work so that you can beat stress and work happier. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough it's just 27 pounds and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back First, we've got Dr. Lee David talking about her new book, 10 Minutes to Better Mental Health, in episode 119.
1: So we have this really lovely analogy that I, I use quite a bit, and I think it's it's in the book, which is if we imagine you're a GP, let, let's do this based on adults, because I know a lot of our listeners are going to be medics, and actually, if we can apply it for ourselves, we can then apply it for our, for our families or, or our patients who are, who are young people as well. So if you imagine you're, um, Rachel, the driver of a bus, you're a GP, You've got to drive your bus get the patients on get them off so you get there in the morning and there's a big long queue of patients at the bus stop they're all waiting to get on they all take ages to get on the bus and then they're sort of rustling about and you you have to drive this bus through a lot of traffic you have to cross lanes you have to make you're an amazing bus driver who has to make decisions about where to go not crash the bus think about what the patients need where they need to go and you have to do all of that whilst you're driving so Now, if you then stop at the next stop and who gets on your bus, it's all your worry thoughts. So the worry thoughts are the next in line at the bus stop. The old version of CBT would be stop the bus and have an argument with the worry thoughts, have a decision, you know, decide, stop bothering me because the worry thoughts start saying, you might crash, be careful, or have you gone the wrong way? Um, or oh, don't make a mistake, or oh, don't hit that, don't look, there's another car there, be careful. Or do you think you should go around the roundabout three times because you don't want to miss your exit? So they, they the worry thoughts are kind of tapping you on the shoulder and they're really disruptive. And so the problem is that you could stop and you could spend some time arguing with the thoughts, rationalising them. But all the time you're doing that, you're you're not driving. You know, you're not focusing on getting on with your day and driving the bus. So a more act based approach would be to say, OK, the worry thoughts are on the bus. What can I do about it? So I'm not going to argue with them. If I try and push them off the bus, they just jump back on at the back anyway, because my worries never go away. They they can always find a way back in. So I'm just going to bring my attention. So you could do the four steps here, actually. So G is for guide. And you think where is important for me to be going right now? What is the important thing that matters to me at this moment? Where do I want to drive to? And supposing with the driving analogy, I really want to drive to the cinema, because actually, I want to, you know, go and watch a movie, or I want to drive this patient to the hospital, because they're quite poorly. And I really need to pay attention to getting them there. So I need to focus on that. So we use our guide. Then ready for action. Okay. well, I'm going to actually focus on taking actions that involve driving. I'm going to bring my attention to this open and observe. I'm going to bring my attention to, say, my hands on the steering wheel. I'm going to notice the colours in the road ahead of me. I'm going to listen to the sounds, notice my seat on the chair. I'm just going to be aware that I'm driving and I've also got a lot of thoughts and worries, but my attention, I'm going to bring it back away from the worries and say to the worries, look, sorry, mate, but I'm busy. I'm driving right now. And this is the most important thing I'm going to do. And if you keep focusing on that, then eventually they actually get a bit bored and they go and sit down at the back of the bus and kind of stop bothering you. And then W is wise mind. And that's your perspective, which means reflecting on that worry is not really getting things out of proportion. It's not helping me with my driving to pay attention to the worry or to be looking behind me while I should be looking up the road and looking where I'm driving. So actually what makes sense is for me to focus on driving. And, and actually the other thing that I have to remember is, okay, if I take a breath, I really care about working and I care about how I practice as a GP. And so it really matters that I'm, I'm really focused. And so I'm actually that that's what's important to me. So yeah, I'm going to bring my kind of reflective perspective onto how to deal with this situation and how to drive safely. And so you can bring those four steps into just dealing with worry there without necessarily just, oh, I need to change all the thoughts. So I don't know if that kind of illustrates the difference.
0: That's really helpful. Because I know that in the past, you know, when I've had some well, what I guess used to be called warped thoughts or maybe still still called warped thoughts trying to argue yourself out it sometimes works you know actually you you look at them is that truth are people always acting like that does nobody love me or you know things like that but actually some of them you you can't argue with and the more you argue with the more they they come back so that idea of just looking at it and going is that helpful or not And it's not particularly helpful. I'm not going to try and argue it away, but I'll focus on something different. That is a lot more logical, really. You can see how that would work better than just trying to get rid of every single difficult thought, which, which you can't. If something's really bothering you, no matter how much you try and argue it away, it just won't go, will it?
1: No, exactly. And and I've definitely found that the kind of health professionals that I work with, there's a little bit of a tendency to quite an obsessional focus type of mindset where you can quite easily get stuck in your thoughts because people tend to be very cognitive and very thoughtful. And often their, their children are the same because obviously our genetics, you know, means that our children are often very similar. And so it can be quite difficult to step out of these thoughts. And it's worth remembering that That's a huge quality, that attention and focus is what allows us to be doctors, for example. It's what allowed us to pass our exams, you know, to achieve everything we have done. And it's a really amazing quality that we can be proud of. But that skill that we use, focus and attention, which helps you perhaps to solve a clinical problem, is very difficult. It doesn't work as well if your problem is, I've got difficult feelings, then actually problem solving cognitively doesn't necessarily fix feeling anxious or feeling irritable. It's much better with problem solving and actually feeling anxious isn't a problem that you can cognitively solve. And so you get stuck in a loop where you're worrying, you're trying to worry your way out of anxiety. But actually cognitive processing doesn't fix an emotion. It's like apples and pears, so they they can't really relate to one another. Uh, Does that make sense? Totally. So, you know, so,
0: you know I, I, I have a, a few friends who are doctors and do suffer quite badly from from anxiety and, and they get very anxious about being anxious because like, well, I've tried all, everything I can do to fix it and I've tried doing this and this and this and that's not fixing it. And in the past when I've had an issue, I've, yeah, I've cognitively thought my way out of it and I've solved it. But yeah, you're right. You're using the wrong tool to solve the problem. You know, this is a a screw and you're using a hammer and the hammer won't work for a screw but the way we've been trained is just to use that logical left brain thinking the whole time to to solve things and then we try and apply that to our own mental health and our own well-being and then surprise surprise it doesn't doesn't
1: work exactly and the thing is the higher the emotion the less the tool fits, you know, because when people are in the high levels of of anxiety, or or they're really angry, or they're feeling very low, then actually, our cognitive processing goes all skew-whiff, And actually, we're much less logical, and our thinking patterns are much less kind of rational. And so sometimes it's about creating a pause, rather than trying to fix it, Cognitively, when our cognitive tools are actually offline anyway, they're not particularly effective at that point. It's about using, so it'd be back to the O step of the grow, where you just take a little bit of time out, maybe going for a walk, maybe doing a bit of mini mindfulness where you move your body and you just notice what it feels like to be sitting on the chair or stretching your arms up. I often get people to, you know, say, just tell me a colour you can see. And I'll say, I'll say, Oh, I can see. A, a green pen and a green cup and a, and a blue bottle and a blue book and I can hear I say what can you hear you know in the background what's the quietest sound and the loudest sound and maybe it's I can hear the wind and I can hear some cars and you're stepping out of cognitive processing it's not avoidance but it's just Recognition that whilst my thinking brain is going on at the same time, I'm also hearing, I'm seeing, I'm feeling physically. So I use movement. And I think with young people in particular, physical movement really helpful so I I would actually get sometimes get the adolescents in, in my therapy room like up and running on the spot because it creates physical sensations that you can actually more easily recognize if you exaggerate it so you take big steps or stretch your body your arms up wide and just really feel that and think okay well my shoulders don't feel stressed they're just stretching you know my feet don't feel stressed my toes I'm actually okay right now. I know I'm still really angry and I can acknowledge that it's true, but there are parts of my body that don't. And so you can kind of rest in the knowledge that there's bits that actually there's much more to your experience than that one high level emotion. And that kind of, it's like grounding, you know, if there's a storm, then you sometimes need to go to ground for a little bit of time, let the storm pass. And only then do you go back to That's why W wise mind is the last one of the steps, because actually, you often need to do a lot of stuff to stabilize and kind of ground yourself before you even think about getting a wise perspective or trying to look for balance you know unless we're in a mental kind of place where we're able to draw on our prefrontal cortex and you know that goes offline when we're stressed and anxious so that has to be back online before you can even consider using cognitive strategies. so it's quite late actually in the process
0: Here's Dr. Caroline Walker from episode 106, explaining the difference between caring about something and worrying about something.
2: And actually, there's a difference between worrying about something and caring about it. So I think it's OK to wish it was sunny when it's raining. It's OK to care whether the, rain, the weather's nice or not. But there's a difference between caring about it and worrying about it so I think sometimes if we can acknowledge to ourselves yeah this this terrible thing's going on at the moment right we've got this awful pandemic we've got star shortages there's too much work we're under resourced people are tired um anxious uncertain about the future all of that is real and it's okay to feel a bit scared a bit sad any of those emotions that might be coming up for you they're all okay so acknowledge them you know allow a bit of space for them sometimes I find we We worry and get anxious when actually there's another emotion going on that we're not paying attention to. And I think at the moment we're still grieving a lot. We're still quite sad about the loss of the life we were living, you know, the loss of our security and our ability to make plans and and trust that they were going to happen. You know, I've had lots of conversations this week with doctors and healthcare workers who are, you know, maybe got a holiday coming up and they're still not quite sure if it's going to go ahead or not. And we've never had to live like that really before in our society, some some societies have, but we've been very fortunate, haven't we, to live a life where things have been pretty predictable, relatively secure, and that still isn't the case. And I think that leaves us feeling a bit unsettled, it leaves us feeling quite sad, and those are difficult emotions to sit with. So actually, it can sometimes be easier to then get worried. Because worry is like an active emotion, right? kind of gets us juiced up. It gets us active that we can do something about it. We think we can do something about it. Often, as we've just alluded to, we can't because it's not in our control.
0: I think that's so helpful. That, yes, it's a lot easier for us to admit to being worried about something yeah. than to be sad. And I think yes. anger is very like that as well. I think yes. sometimes yeah. if I feel undervalued or unappreciated or, or unloved, and I feel sad about that. I'll I'll feel angry <laughs> and it will yeah. come out as anger, yeah. not sadness, because sadness shows a lot of vulnerability, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Or maybe if we're a bit embarrassed or a little bit ashamed about something. Like I get this around my parenting quite a lot. If I've missed something or not noticed something and then it's pointed out to me, I'm like, oh cringe. So I'll start to worry and get anxious. And it's like it's it's as I say, it's an easier emotion. I know it's not a pleasant emotion to be anxious and worried, but it's But it's slightly easier, I think, than some of the others. So, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's worth thinking, is there something else going on here that I'm not allowing myself to feel or pay attention to? Mm.
0: And that's really helpful that there is a difference between caring and worrying, because Mm. I do struggle with this idea of, and we teach this, don't we, that everything outside your zonopath just got to accept, just got to accept it. And it's really hard to accept it. And I think I've always thought that accepting it is just dismissing it not caring no
2: actually
0: it's not that it's you can deeply care about it absolutely
2: but you can care about climate change but also have an acceptance around the limits around what, how much impact you might personally have around it this is something I learned in my addiction recovery actually my own personal recovery around addictions that you know we can care about the outcome of something but still let go of it you know so if I ask somebody to do something for me I can care about whether they say yes or no but ultimately it's not it's not my responsibility whether they say yes or no or not it's not in my control whether they say yes or no or not and if they say yes brilliant I'm going to be happy if they say no I'm going to be disappointed or sad or angry or you know those other emotions will come up so yeah we can still care about stuff but let go of the outcome
0: yeah and that's so important because as you were saying with with the driving yeah if you were driving along Mm you would care, you care about the fact you're going to have an accident or not. Like yeah. right? nobody yeah. wants to have a, an accident. But if you're worried about it, conversely, the the worry does the exact opposite of what yeah. it should do. The, the bit of the bit of worry to start off with, helpful, seatbelt goes on. Yeah. But the more you worry, the more anxious you get, you, yeah. you go into your fight, flight or yeah. freeze zone. You've got adrenaline racing around you in your sympathetic zone. You can't think straight. You're much more likely yeah. to crash.
2: And this is where something like a worry tree That can be very helpful. So, this is where you might ask yourself a simple question like, is this a real problem? Yes or no? If it's a real problem, great, you go down the problem solving route. So, if I get in my car, I say, oh, I might crash my car. Is that a real problem? Yeah, I might crash my car. It's kind of real. What can I do about that? I'll put my seatbelt on. Okay. So, I've taken action, I've kind of addressed the worry. If the answer is, is this a real problem? No, it's not a real problem. Then you're looking at other techniques like worry time, that can be quite helpful. So that's where you would set aside a time of the day or a time in the week when you're going to specifically worry about things. It might sound a bit a bit strange and a bit silly, but it really does work for a lot of people. And what that does is it, it acknowledges this is something I want to worry about. It is, it's worrying to me. It means something to me. I do want to give it some time and attention, but I don't want to let it take over my day. So I'm going to plan at say six o'clock tonight for 20 minutes. That's my worry time. That's when I'm going to think about it and then when you get to six o'clock you can worry as much as you like for those 20 minutes yeah and often what happens when you get there is actually you're not that worried about it anymore and sometimes you are but you've got your 20 minutes worry time it hasn't ruined your whole day it just manages your worries this is one of those techniques which says you know worrying's normal let's accept it's going to happen let's kind of take a little bit of control and and manage it manage how we're going to worry
0: now here's Dr. Giles Croft in episode 105 with his take on why we can't necessarily believe all our thoughts.
3: So when I say everyone works in exactly the same way, every single one of us is experiencing our thought system in the moment. Yep. In terms of behaviour, we're always going to do what makes sense given our understanding of that of that one simple fact. Mm-hmm. Now, if we... And so our behaviour, and you know, we'll we'll see changes in ourselves as well. We're fluctuating because our moods fluctuate all the time. When we're in a low mood, we tend to believe our thinking. We 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 tend to really invest in it, we identify it with it, we think it's us, and we take it seriously. And so our behaviors come from that place. When we're in a much more lighthearted mood, we're not taking our thinking seriously at all and we're operating from that default place of peace of mind calm wisdom you know that's when we that's when we're actually connected to good ideas and creativity and wisdom and compassion all of that stuff's always there because that's that's part of our connection to life and our connection to others and it's only ever getting invested in that little left brain narrative Blah, 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 blah. This means this. This means that. I'm this, I'm that. They mean that. This is this is going on. Da, 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 da. It's, you know, it's constant. It's it's what it is to be human. And and it's only ever so, but the actual mechanism by which we experience life is exactly the same. So the difference between your your, your friend who doesn't get stressed about stuff is that it simply doesn't make sense to attach to that narrative that's going on whether or not that's something that he's seen i mean for me i know i just i just do better in life when i when i don't attach to the jibber jabber in my in in my head it's like i've 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 seen through it i've seen through its illusion it's not it's not truth at all
0: i get it Top five episodes, sorry. And leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Do you think he's having the same jibber jabber in his head and he's not attaching to it?
3: I think you've got kids, haven't you?
0: Mm. So
3: when there's some bad behaviour going on, we don't tend to reinforce it, do we? And when the, when the light of attention is no longer on that, bad behavior then it it tends to die out and it's the from from what i've seen with myself and and clients is the less attention we pay to it the 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 less it's there i've you know i don't i still i'm human so i fall for it especially if i'm you know if i'm tired or hungry or something it's more likely that i'm going to fall for it But just knowing, I guess just knowing deep down that that that's the way it works and that even though it really, really looks like I've got a whole load of problems, that essentially all problems are created by the mind. All problems are created by this narrative. There's no other way to experience a problem than in the narrative in our heads. Mm. And the more that we can see through that, the less it, you know, the less insistent it gets. it becomes because it just, you know, again, it's, you're not shining the light of consciousness onto it. So you're not, you're not growing it essentially. You know, what, what does what it they say? What, what we resist persists. You know, if we pay a whole load of attention, it's going to stick around. If we don't mm. pay any attention, it's not.
0: Mm, mm. So maybe he has just, yeah, absolutely trained himself to pay attention to these sorts and not the other ones. And then they, they, they've gradually gone down. I think we can all, do that to some extent can't we but the issue is when i talk to people about is you're thinking about this thing that's causing Mm. that's causing the problem and i i I do get that and i do believe that the problem is it's then the consequences of of then saying no of then saying enough is enough because yes when you're saying you know is every single gp burning out of course not of course there's not every single gp that burning out is every single gp that's a partner running a practice burning out of course not there are some that are doing really well there are some that aren't they've all got a lot of pressure on them some some more than others i do think that if you put someone in a difficult situation for long enough and they do nothing about that eventually they no matter how resilient they are how many resilient skills eventually their physiology with the chronic stress will, will cause a problem. But I don't know, it's just, you know, when you actually do have this stuff, you say, don't pay attention to those thoughts. But what if those thoughts are actually true? Like, actually, we, if we don't do this, we are going to lose the business, potentially. Mm. I won't be able to feed my family, all those sorts of things. Those consequences actually you say that probably won't happen, but actually you can see that if you made that decision to protect yourself, that would happen. So you do choose to carry on doing what you're doing so that you can still feed your family, et cetera, et cetera. And people feel then they're trapped and they have no choice. Mm. What, what do you do then when the thoughts that you're having actually make a lot of sense?
3: Oh, no. I mean, Rachel, don't get me wrong. The thoughts that we're having, they make total sense. Mm. They've evolved to make total sense you know like 75,000 years ago where we when we split off from the chimps or whatever and we evolved this ability to think about our own thinking then it, it it's it'd be no good would it if if you know like 75,000 years ago we were we, we, we had this thought it, it's that that might be a saber-toothed tiger. Is it a saber-toothed tiger? Do I believe my thinking there? And had a debate about whether or not we believed our thinking. So it's evolved. It's evolved to be, to look so, so, so real and so true. But to 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 take a step back from the situation. And yeah, I agree with you. Like and Honestly, I would never, ever, ever do this with any of my clients. You know, if they're if they're shook up, if they're in the if if, if they're in the middle of a thought storm, if I'm in the middle of a thought storm, I've got a seven year old daughter who will quite happily tell me, "Oh, Daddy, it's just your thinking," and I'm like, "That doesn't help now, all right?" You know, it's n- it's not going to help at all in in the thick of things. So, but what we're talking about here is taking a step back and really having a look at the nature of thought and the nature of experience and yeah, hell, it looks real. It really looks like, you know, I'm running my own business. I have days where it's like, Oh my God, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to feed my family in, 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 you know, several months or something. And it's all just, a mind doing what a mind does using it's like, I mean, I think of it as like a sort of a a computer filing system. It's using what it already knows. It's using, it's using old stale data and it's trying to make predictions on the basis of that. So it's rifling through its little filing system. It goes, well, I know this and I know this and I know this. Okay, Giles. Well, the the best prediction I can come up with here is that's going to help you and keep you safe from the, the modern version of a saber-toothed tiger is you need to panic now (laughs) because you're not going to be able to feed your family in two months. No, because I've seen through that. I know it's it's not helpful in any way. I mean, literally not in any way. It's all completely made up. It's 100% made up. It's 100% fiction. It's just a mind doing its thing. And I know that if I don't pay any attention, if there are problems, I'm not saying there aren't, you know, there aren't situations to be dealt with. Those situations aren't going to go anywhere. They're still going to be there when I'm in a much better state of mind to actually deal with them. And I know from experience that I'm in a better state of mind. When I am in my default state of calm, clear-minded, connected to my wisdom, connected to common sense, I'll be doing nothing in particular and a good idea. I'll have a good idea. I don't get good ideas when I'm all stressed and believe in my thinking and acting out of a place of fear and lack and insecurity. I do best. and We all do best again you know this is how we're all made you don't you can look to your own experience and see the truth in this is that we do best when we're calm and clear-minded that's when we have our good ideas that's when we solve problems
0: yeah and there's some good neuroscience behind that isn't there you know when your amygdala's flared up and puts you into your stress zone your fight flight or free zone when you're in your hyperadrenaline zone your sympathetic zone your blood's diverted, isn't it, from your prefrontal cortex, goes into your muscles, you literally can't think straight, yeah. decisions become very black and white, you're not yeah. creative. And yeah. broaden and build theory says that if you're in a positive state of mind, if you're calm, you can be creative, you can think out of the box, which is important. What do you mean by the thought storm? Because I heard you talk about a snow globe, which I think yeah. has been quite helpful to so explain a bit yeah. more about that
3: if you th- if you imagine our default state as human beings is is a, is calm water okay and and when it's calm we're able to think clearly and we're able to come up with good ideas and be intuitive and listen to our wisdom and all the good stuff and then a, a stone gets thrown into the water there are ripples but those ripples they they die down of their own accord we don't need to try. In fact, if you tried to make the ripples go away, you'd make things worse. And it's a bit the same with the snow globe. You know, something happens to us. Like, for instance, going back to my example, I wake up in the morning and I've got a racing heart. And this is bad. This is this is bad podcasting, isn't it? Because I'm holding a snow globe in front of the camera, shaking it because it's on my desk. Listen,
0: imagine imagine a, a snow globe and Giles shaking it in front of the
3: microphone. Maybe if I can, maybe. So yeah, you know. I wake up, my my snow globe's shaken up, okay? And really, all I need to do, the only thing I need to do is identify that a snow globe is shaken up. I don't need to do anything else because the mind will come up with an infinite number of reasons why I feel the way I do. But all those feelings are telling me that racing heart, the, the, the slight nausea. I mean, it was first thing in the morning, I had a full bladder and I was a bit dehydrated. That's a good enough reason. So I have a racing heart. But no, 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 my mind knows better. It's, you know, it's straight off into, into my diary, into the into its little filing system. It's like, right, what, what can be the what can be the reason for that? But it could have been anything else. It could have been
0: you know patient complaints
3: patient complaints it could have been uh, you know a, a call that I've got later it could have been it could have been a, a, a project that I'm working on that I've got a I haven't come up with a solution yet and boy does my left brain not like having solutions it likes to try and figure it all out and and get it all down on paper and everything so just seeing that I'm shook up I can see that I'm disconnected from from that state of calm and, and, and common sense and wisdom. And if I want to see those people in the snow globe, what I have to do is to stop shaking it, is to stop entertaining that thinking is to stop jumping. It's like, you know, a train's coming to the station. a thought train's coming to the station. I can either watch the thought trains come and go, or I can jump on that thought train and see where it takes me. Well, if I jumped on the anxious about wellbeing Wednesday's thought train, before I know it, I've neglected the the actual important work of the day that I've got planned because I'm running around like a headless chicken. You know, it's it's, you know, it's not, it's not. It's not complicated. It's not sexy. It's not. Oh, let's let's do this and do that. It, it, all I'm all I'm all I do, and you know, help my clients with is, is just to see the way that our minds work. Because the more that we can see exactly how we're experiencing everything, then the less frightened we are of it, and the less invested we get into trying to fix things mentally when actually that's what's getting in the way of us having solutions to our problems
0: okay so how do you let it settle down Then how do you get the snow just to settle when you're in the mizzy in the middle yeah. of a dreadful dreadful day
3: well I suppose seeing at the level of principle at the level of principle there's no such thing as a dreadful day Seeing that, seeing that, seeing that dreadful is a is a is a concept that's all part of that left brain experience. What's actually happening as human beings is that we have one moment after another, and we're experiencing whatever we're experiencing inside our perception, inside our thought system. And the more that we see that, the less it makes sense. It's always going to be about doing what makes sense. It's always going to be when I woke up with those anxious feelings, it didn't make sense to me to entertain them. It's all about awareness and understanding of what's going on for us, understanding how the the human operating system works. So in the middle of a dreadful day, it's to see that, that you're only ever experiencing the present moment.
0: And finally, here's one of my favourite guests, John C. Parkin, talking about how the effort mentality can help you become ridiculously relaxed.
4: When we first understood the, the, the power of saying, fuck it, and I say we, I mean Gaia, Gaia, myself, my wife and myself, we just set up a retreat centre in Italy, so we'd spent the last the previous few years setting this up and, and the reason we were setting up the retreat centre is because we were into meditation and Taoism, the kind of going with the flow philosophy and Buddhism, the kind of you know, the kind of supermarket mix, the, the pick and mix version that is modern spirituality. So we're into a lot of alternative health and alternative spirituality. Which if you kinda of mix it up in a in, in a few sentences is about giving up on attachment. Letting go, going with the flow, dropping into presence—those kind of ideas—and what we found was having you know meditating every day, doing tai chi and qigong every day. And we found that when we were really stressed, we were saying "fuck it," and that that had the peculiarly similar effect to a lot of those things that we'd been practicing in, as these philo- eastern, mainly eastern, philosophical elements. So when you say "fuck it," you kind of give up on something, you let go on something, you drop out of this kind of world of meaning that we're locked in in the, in the mind. So that that was that was how it became this really neat, quick, and very Western. It's quick, neat. It's a tool. If you can use it really quickly, and it's a very Western phrase, obviously, it became a Western version of a whole bunch of Eastern philosophies.
2: Hmm.
0: So it's just that, that shortcut to get you to that point of letting it go, accepting it, not having the attachment.
4: Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a shortcut in lots of ways. It's because it's, it's very particular in, in our language, fuck it, because you kind of know what it means. You know that your problem, the stress that you're feeling and the tension that you're feeling is related to something, the it... <laughs> that you're placing too much weight on and therefore you, sh- you could do with saying, fuck it. So it's, and it, there's, there's hardly anything, else, apart from the, the use of the swear word, which, you know, is, is very proven, scientifically proven to be very powerful in our brains. It's, it's, it's a, it does a very particular thing just, just for the, lang- the linguistic context of it, the meaning context of it. And there is that thing that, they found that, you know, most of our language is generated in the left brain and the swear words are generated in the right brain. So it looks like whenever we swear, there's a jump in very simplistic terms. And I know you have many scientists in your audience, so in very simplistic terms it looks like we jump to the to the to the right brain. And right brain, again in simplistic terms, left if left brain's more language, you know, planning past future kind of more logic if right brain very broadly is more and calm playful uninhibited and the spiritual connection if that's over there then just saying the f word takes us into that part of the brain which i think is amazing
0: <laughs> i was reading that last night in your book actually and i yeah. hadn't really got that before even though i listened yeah. to the episode the podcast that we did before and you talk about that there as well but it suddenly yeah. just clicked for me that yeah. ah that's why we we need to access our right brain to deal with a lot of this stuff because yeah. puzzling it through, thinking it out, yeah. works to some extent. But then you you just get stuck, don't you?
4: You hit you, you you hit the nail on the head, really. Yeah you can't you can't really sort this stuff out with the the left brain, the logic brain. With with you can't deal with anxiety, stress, and everything else by thinking it through because thinking is the problem. For most of these things, thinking is the problem. You know, Anxiety, most of it's about doom, doom-laden scenarios into the future. We have no idea what's going to happen into the future, but we create a false idea world of what might happen, whereas it hasn't happened yet. So it's entirely mentally created. Most of the source of our stress is entirely mental, entirely mind, that part of our mind created. So the solution is very rarely in thinking it through, and certainly not thinking it through from that side of the brain. So the, the solution, quite obviously, really, is to go somewhere else, not to try and use that to figure it out, to use something else, which is to try and let go, to get into a different state. You know, where literally, as well as the different part of the brain being activated, it, we drop into a different frequency. So the brains at a different frequency, and the whole body will change under relaxation. So the body mind is changing, and then the problems—it's like you know, looking at our problems from a completely different angle, a different space, and uh, and then the answers come quite more more easily.
0: Yeah, there's there's a quote. I think it was Mark Twain that said, "I'm an old man. I've known many troubles, but most of them didn't happen."
4: Ah, yes, (laughs) beautiful.
0: (laughs) Great quote. And when I think, yeah, about the stress and the anxiety that a lot of our listeners are going through I'm going through a lot of people working in these high stress jobs. It is yeah. it is thinking about things that haven't actually happened yet. There's probably a bit of dwelling on the past, but mostly it's it's worrying about the future and yeah, you're not gonna use the same tool to solve it. And so just using using the right brain, it's gotta be helpful. I, I had a quite an interesting experience the other night. where. are did a free webinar, we had loads of people signed up to it, and Zoom has changed its settings. Ah. <laughs> so, yes, even though I had bought the large meeting, paid a lot of money to make sure everybody could get in, I hadn't clicked the button to convert it, was something had happened, it had changed, yeah. normally it had been fine, changed overnight, and... Only a limited amount of people could get in. And luckily, I didn't find this out until after the webinar. And then I got messages. And I just felt awful because, you know, people have given up time to come and they'd really wanted to come. And I felt, immediately, I felt this sort of weight of stress. And I knew I was talking to you this this week, actually. And I just, I said, you know what? Fuck it. There's nothing I can do. And genuinely, it worked because even though the problem was still there and I did what I could to, you know, make sure people had the replay and make it up to people and stuff. Just that saying, fuck it, really, really helped. And it, it was quite surprisingly powerful.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I always imagine it as acupuncture, is that more what I'm used to with when I have a, something going on. So I get some needles stuck into various bits and it feels like the needle going into just the right spot, just the perfect thing. When the, when the tension and the pain really builds up. Yeah, because it makes us really, it makes it it bit punctured, sorry, I'm mixing the metaphors now, but it's puncturing the, the balloon of meaning, isn't it? Of massive meaning attachment to that thing. This is so important to me. You're also brilliant at kind of reframing it, as you say, making up to people. But uh, yeah, it helps, no end.
0: I guess when it's something that's happened that you can't change what's happened, even though it is really important to you there is genuinely nothing you can do to change what has happened in the past, so for me that's that's really really helpful.
4: when you think things are have gone wrong and there's been a mistake and then something else comes out of it, and later on you're able to see that oh my goodness, that wouldn't have happened unless that apparent mistake had happened. It does seem to be the case that you know when you've lived long enough on this planet. And you, you look at the big the things that you went, oh, that was awful. When it happened, it's like, awful, it's terrible. You look a bit later and go, well, that wouldn't have happened if that bit yeah. hadn't gone wrong or whatever it is. Mm.
0: So this whole thing is about letting go of the attachment that we have to the outcomes of stuff. Is that right? And then the meaning behind it. Have I got that right?
4: Yeah. You could argue at a real kind of basic psychological level that it's our attachment to the meanings of things that don't matter so much so it's getting perspective over things so if we've got a a kind of let's say energy energy in terms of traditional energy bandwidth where you our mental energy bandwidth and we're using some of it to worry about I was going to say I won't worry about the bills but at the moment we have good reason to be worrying about the bills but you know some of it's worrying about the bills some of it's worrying about whether the government's going to change some of it's worrying and so you're basically you're using more and more and more of the bandwidth to worry about things that, in the end, don't matter so much. And then the bit that we worry about—the things that we should be worrying about—which is, you know, health, kids, the survival stuff, really, survival of us and our loved ones—takes up this little bit in the corner. And so, fuck it. Partly is about going, Lord, that why we, why are you taking up so much energy? Worrying about that stuff. If you're going to worry, worry about the shit that matters.
0: Thanks for listening. Don't forget, we provide a self coaching CPD workbook for every episode. You can sign up for it via the link in the show notes. And if this episode was helpful, then please share it with a friend. Get in touch with any comments or suggestions at hello at youarenotafrog.com. I love to hear from you. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it and leave a review wherever you're listening. It really helps. Bye for now.